Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. We're back, and we are coming at you straight after the last episode, back to back weeks, which is which is nice. The nice start to the new season, so you can expect us in your ears quite a lot this this campaign coming, hopefully. And uh, we're gonna have an episode this week talking about the uh, result of the Molde Hoffenheim game, and then we're gonna dip into the Swedish Cup, and we're gonna look at some few transfers as well. So it will be a shorter episode this week, but we thought we would. Uh, Give you a few updates from the, the wild world of Scandinavian football. And I'm joined, as ever, by my colleague, Steve Wiss, my good friend. How are you today? Jonathan, my man. How's it going? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, it just it feels like yesterday since we last talked. I uh, can't believe we're, uh, we've um, got a new episode back-to-back -to -back so quickly at this time of year. But it's good to be uh, back again. And yeah, I'm doing absolutely fine. Doing fine. I hope you've been keeping well. You wait two months for uh, a conversation with Steve Wiss and then two conversations take place within one week. It really is a pleasure. And um, yes, of course, we've had a we've had a game. You know, this isn't just idle chit chat. We've, we've had a match to analyse and it's a pretty big match, the biggest match of the season. You could argue uh, in Scandinavian football from a Norwegian perspective, certainly. And that was Molde Hoffenheim. We had a big preview of it in, in the last episode with Archie Rintut, the, the uh, popular German uh, German Bundesliga covering journalist uh, for ESPN. And we're going to break it down now, aren't we? Uh, it was a, an interesting game. Uh, I'll let you sort of give the, the timeline of the match, the score and all that kind of stuff, Steve. So um, take it away. What were your thoughts on this this game? Yeah, how long have we got? Because there's enough here to last a whole episode, which is just as well, because I think most of the episode is going to be about <laughs> this game. <laughs> but uh, what a great... I can't believe this match. Um, it was... Uh, the final result was Molde 3, Hoffenheim 3. A uh, match took place in uh, Villarreal down there in Spain. And, um, I mean, many times during this tie, I thought it was done. As in, Hoffenheim have got this tie in the bag and it's sewn up nicely because they roared into a 2-0 lead. Molde pulled one back right on half-time. Christoph Baumgartner made it 3-1. There was an abundance of missed chances, including a penalty miss. Uh, at 3-1 up. And Mulder then scored two goals in the space of four minutes, including a debut goal off the bench for David Dastro Fafano, we're going to talk about later. And, and the match ended 3 all, and it was a wild end that probably anyone, either team could have won it, actually. So um, this was one of the most craziest games I've ever seen. I don't know what the actual XGs were. In terms of shots, uh, Hoffenheim uh, out, outed uh, Mulder 25-9 on shots. But in terms of big chances, certainly in the second half, I mean, they both had opportunities. This was a wild game of football. You could not take your eyes off it, and um, it was it was crazy. I just couldn't believe what I was watching, Jonathan. Yeah, and you mentioned in the pre-match conversation last week. You mentioned that you, um, well, you did predict a lot of goals, didn't you? I think you said the seven-three on aggregate. So you know, you're not, you're not, you know, you're one-four nil away from. It's still alive. That you're one-four nil away from the greatest prediction ever to be made on a on a podcast. I think. Um, you know, so you, you clearly expected goals, and and it, and it was full of goals. Did you know? Mulder went into this, and you mentioned that it was played in Spain. They've had pre-season to deal with, no real competitive matches for for a month or so. Uh, well, a good few months, in fact. Um, did they sort of surpass your expectations? Was, was it lucky, or was it kind of you know? Did, did they match Hoffenheim? What was your general overview of it? I think they were very lucky to get out of this with a draw. Hoffenheim, I kid you not, they could have scored probably eight or nine goals, really, and. At the start of this match, it was obvious it was exactly what I thought. Mulder were just too rusty. 
they let Hoffenheim dominate them. Hoffenheim looked quite good, to be honest. They they, they they asserted their technical qualities on the game. I was impressed with Hoffenheim. I wasn't at all surprised to see them win, I think, 4-0 at the weekend in the Bundesliga against, uh, I can't remember, Werder Bremen it might have been. And they killed Mulder. They put, kept putting crosses in on the right-hand side. They, they couldn't deal with them. Um, and De Boer, the, the, stri the Israeli striker, he's the lad who got on the end of them. And um, as I said, they just could not stop that supply line coming in. I didn't particularly think Christopher Haugen on, on, on the left-hand side defended particularly well. He didn't have much help either on that side. Um, and it would, they, were, they were being rinsed. And there's another striker up front for Hoffenheim called Elas Bebu. And <clears throat> honestly, I, uh, he's more like sort of a probably target man hold-up striker, but he had chances. I was His finishing touch was horrible. It was donkey-like. And, uh, you know, if he had taken his chances at two, two, it could have been three or four. And, you know, Mulder somehow pulled one back before half time. I think it was Martin Ellingson from a corner. And then there was like five minutes added on at uh, the start of the, uh, sorry, the end of the first half. And, they, and Baumgartner made it 3-1. There was a bunch of VAR. VAR I wasn't impressed with in this game, by the way. Uh, just not because of the wrong decisions or anything, just the sheer length of time it took some of the decisions to make. It was ridiculous. Just on, on some very easy calls, it was taking three, even four minutes to make the final determination. So, you know, three, one half time, I thought Hoffenheim were well in control, but and, and Mulder did not look good. Yeah, I mean, you know, as you mentioned there, Munoz de Boer scored the first two goals and they're both headers when they both cross his uh, seventh minute and the 26th minute. Uh, Ellingson pulled one back um, from with a left footed shot in the 40th minute. And then, as you mentioned, a few minutes later, just before half time, uh, Hoffenheim went up and made it 3-1. Baumgartner with a with a quite a slick finish. You know, a 3-1 half time, you're probably thinking game over, aren't you? You're thinking maybe this could be four or five? Yeah, I was. And and, and to be honest, it should it should have gone that way because from like from half time until the 65th minute, it was pretty much all Hoffenheim. They had a goal disallowed. Uh De Burr looked like he got his hat trick, and they had a, a it was a tight offside on VAR, it was the right decision. But uh, and then there was a penalty, a stupid penalty given away, sixty uh, second minute it was. And um, you know when Minister Boer's standing over that penalty, you're thinking this is it. This is this could lead to any number of goals. And um, funny enough, the commentator actually said he has a very bad record from the penalty spot. He's missed something like eight out of twenty. And uh, I'm like, and Andreas Linder has actually really done very well against penalties in the last 12 months for Mulder. I don't know what's changed with him, but uh, he's become this penalty stopper. He's really good at reading uh, pen takers, and he came up with a really good uh, save, actually. I wouldn't say De Boer bottled the kick or anything. You know, 3-1. It, you know, it looks like it's going to be 4-1 all day, doesn't it, on the penalty spot. Even then, I was like, hold on a minute. There's still 3-1 down there in Massey Chul, but there were some good substitutions made. And they somehow got themselves back into the game. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing because it should have been game set and match. Yeah, Olin Ellis, uh, Olin Anderson scored uh, in the uh, 70th minute, as we just mentioned there. Uh, to get them back into it as a cross from the right, wasn't it? And the uh, headed home. And then your man. And we talked about him last week on this podcast, didn't we? Uh, I asked you about him and you said you'd never heard of him, which was fair enough. He, he just uh, came across my radar for, for some reason when I was looking at the squad lists, to be honest. Um David Datro Fofana, I like his name. Uh, he's a young talent. And he slid in at the 74th minute, didn't he? And put, put a left-footed shot in the penalty box uh, to rescue the point. The point, sorry. Well, not point, but rescue the tie in terms of match result for, uh, for Mulder. 
Yeah, Erling Moon made a couple of good substitutions just after the penalty miss. Erling Knudsen came on and uh, David Datro Fafana came on. And um, it was interesting, the commentator described him. Apparently, he's been known as the Ivorian Mbappe. Now, obviously, this commentator had done a lot more research in the player than I had. Um, so, but apparently, uh, in France, uh, Angers were very close to signing him in um, in January. You might have even mentioned this on the last episode. So, uh, clearly, he's well thought of, and you can see why, because he's got a physical presence. He's only a young player, by the way. He's, um, how old is he? He's 18 uh, years old. So, it's a young player. He looks like he's got a good physique to him, uh, but good technical qualities and pace as well. It was a good finish. You know, the ball fell to him. There was a defensive missed interception. It fell to him. He got to put it away. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't that much of a hard chance, but it's still one. Only, you know, you mould a debut, you're only 10 minutes into it, and he come up with a good equaliser, and he could have won them the match. Um, he he lashed, launched through onto a through ball, and he uses his, 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 his pace really well. He just didn't pull the trigger quickly enough, and the defender managed to make a last-ditch sort of block on him. But I was dead impressed with what I saw, and um, I think he's going to be an absolute handful this season. He looks like a tremendous signing. Yeah, and uh, he's one to keep an eye on. And you know, I'm happy to say that it's good, good to know that you actually listened to what I said on the podcast because you, you just mentioned there you, you can't remember what I said. <laughs> so um, fair play. But uh, there was one other big name to talk about, wasn't there? And that was, uh, as as described on the Mulder Twitter account, Super Linda in capital letters. And a lot of praise for Linda. He even made the UA for the team of the week, Europa League team of the week, um, alongside some other big names, including, uh, well, big, big players like Bruno Fernandes. So what, what was your analysis of uh, him? You know, he, he seemed to have played a quite a central part in this match. Do you know what? A few people put Andres Linda as their goalkeeper of the year in the team of the seasons for Elite Serie in 2020. I wasn't having that person. I didn't think he had that great a year, but... This was an example of why people did put him, certain people did put him in this team because, you know, the penalty save was impressive. He saved about half his penalties faced in the last 12 months. He's actually faced more than you would think of uh, he would at a big club like them. He saved them in the penalty shootout against Carabag, which got them effectively into this knockout round or certainly helped them getting into the Europa League group stages. And, it, you know, not just, he made some big saves as well from Hoffenheim when you got 25 shots against you. You know, he's, he's obviously helped them out massively. Without him, they probably would have conceded five, six, seven goals. Um, I actually thought in the last 15, 20 minutes, the Hoffenheim goalkeeper, Bauman, made uh, a couple of good saves too, by the way. But, um, yeah, Linda really, you know, he's developed as a goalkeeper. He, he, he almost goes under the radar a little bit, actually, for sure. And, you know, in the title-winning season two years ago, he missed half of that campaign and... Um, I think he kind of lost a little bit of credit for that. And people are like, all right, you know, he's in a very good team. You know, that that's one of the reasons why he's kind of got this bigger reputation. But I think he's he's kind of proved himself in the last 12 months that he's more to him than that. And and he, and he played very well. And his heroics have, have helped them stay in the tie. It's three all. All they have to do is go to Germany and win win by, say, 1-0. And they're in. They're into the next round. I mean, it's not... Yeah, and, uh... Early Moore came out and uh, after the game said, "It's it's a uh, it's it's fifty fifty game now. We we did not cope with the pace and we did not do what we we're supposed to do in the first half. We seemed unprepared when we do not do as we should, and I'm very unhappy with that part of the match. 
but he did express that he was happier with the end of the match, of course. So, you know, the, in the in the in the classic cliches, I guess this was a bit of a game game of two halves uh, from his point of view. Very briefly before we wrap it up, you know, the, the second leg's coming. Uh, how do you see it developing? Hoffenheim is still unbeaten at this point in time in terms of the, uh, uh, you know, the stage of the competition. They haven't been here for a while. But um, how do you see it going? Well, they've got injuries galore, Hoffenheim. That's their big problem, as we discussed with Archie. I think they another lad went down in, in this match. Uh, Mija Gacinovic. I don't know if he played at the weekend, but uh, I mean they, they beat Werder Bremen four 0 They look good to me, Hoffenheim. I was quite impressed what I saw. They've still got some very big players out there like Baumgartner, Dabur, obviously. This Bebu, although he was missing chances, he was just a real handful physically. He was getting all sorts of space. So I'd be shocked if Hoffenheim don't go through. I, I expect them to show their authority here. Something like three nil, three one. Molder probably got a goal in them somewhere because often I'm the sort of side who seem to make mistakes, but um, they've got to have it. They're going to have enough offensive firepower to get themselves through. If I'd be shocked if if Molder managed to qualify, but you never know. There you go. The game is this Thursday, and it will be an, an early evening kickoff, five to six UK time. Tune in and see if Molder can can carry the the flag for Norwegian football. It would be some achievement if they were to pull this one off uh, away from home. Uh, and go through, but you, you never know, you never know, do you? So, a uh, nice breakdown of that game there, Steve, and let's move on to a few other talking points in Norwegian football. Then The first place we're going to move to uh, on this podcast, it's going to be a short episode, we're not having a huge episode this time, we we say, but you know, we've always said that, and then next thing you know, it's an hour and a half, maybe. Um, but we're going to talk about Brown, aren't we, because there's been a few developments at the club uh, this week, or today even. Um, that are quite relevant maybe for their for their season and maybe even their immediate future, their medium-term future. Tell us about that. Yeah, we wouldn't really probably have uh, time necessarily to talk about something like this in detail. But um, yeah, the, the brand sports manager, Runa Soltvet, has, uh, is, has basically resigned from his role. Uh, he's going to be leaving the club at the end of the month. This is someone who's been with the club in this position for the last six years. So, um, you know, sports manager big part of the recruitment process, you know, in the upstairs part of Bran. And, you know, their, their recruitment is something that's come under fire for the last few years, certainly. And um, clearly, maybe the club can move into a different direction now with someone. You know, I, I think at times they have made some good transfers, but the, the actual overall strategy, certainly in terms of losing players at the wrong time, hasn't helped them. And... Um, you know, it's obviously a big role in, in clubs. It's not something that's talked about enough, really. Who You, you often say, oh, about clubs are they brought in the wrong player here. Or, and the manager's often blamed, isn't he? It's like, oh, well, he signed him, he signed that. It's actually often done in you know behind the scenes with, with someone else completely. So this is, uh, it'd be interesting to see which direction sort of brand go from here on in and whether or not they will have a new sort of strategy in terms of transfers going forward. Yeah, and you've mentioned before that you, you kind of look at Brand as a team that's maybe drifted a bit, a huge following. You know, they're a big club, aren't they? And they did challenge for the title about two or three years ago, didn't they, uh, with Rosenborg? But they they eventually um, petered out. You know, what are you with the change of direction in terms of sporting director? I mean, I don't know if they've announced a replacement, um, but have they announced a replacement? I'm not that I'm aware of. Yeah, I mean, this is something he actually said in his resignation. Um, it was tough to get into the role of sports manager because, because there is no sports manager school. I've made mistakes, but I've also done right. It is a job with an incredible number of choices. By experience, in my opinion, that the club has better foundations today than it was 
six years ago when I took charge. And I think I kind of agree with that, actually. You know, we remember where Brand were six years ago. They were in the Obos League again, I do believe, or around that sort of time. Anyway, they come back in. They've had two silver medals. Um, they that year they I still think they could have won the title that year against Rosenborg. So they've done they have been some right things, but they have drifted as well, certainly since then, and just become a bit stale. And if, if you're not careful, you can really get into trouble doing it this way. So, you know, this is a resignation. I don't know whether there's a bit of mutualness in there as well. I'm sure behind the scenes something has led to this. And, um, you know, it's a chance for them to... I've always said they maybe need to look a little bit sort of younger at times and, and give prospects from from the lower leagues rather than certain transfers from abroad. Yeah, now I'm looking at their, their transfers for this current window and um, there's one transfer I'm going to come to in a second that I, I it's caught my eye here. Um, but in general, you know, they, they've signed John Goodney Fjordlison from Krasnodar, free transfer, 31-year-old, signed a player called Matthias Rasmussen as well, um, who is a left-back, I believe, from, uh, where does he come from? Norseland. And one or two others, a few loans and things like that, I think, for Sanders Fenson. Um, yeah, and there's a young lad they've signed called Munga, Munga Simba, who I actually really like in the third tier. Um, we'll come on to that conversation in a bit because we are going to talk about the, this emerging trend in a bit more detail. Um, but, you know, what's your analysis of Brand's transfers over the last, you know, over this period? Uh, you know, obviously you mentioned the, player, the guy's been in the role for quite a while now. Um, but what's your analysis? Fulison actually has gone straight out to Hammerby, by the way. Uh, he returned and then left. But what's your analysis of um, the transfers that have come in and out of Brand over the last, sort of, maybe, sort of, say, two seasons? I I think the problem is they've lost players and never really replaced them. For example, Sivert Nielsen um, in centre mid there. And I also think they haven't necessarily brought in the right players for the type of football they were trying to play. And like, for example, Doda Bamba at time, you know, when the transfer was made, you're thinking, oh, this is a pretty astute deal, actually, a good deal for them. But he's never really fit. He certainly didn't fit the large Alan Nielsen style. And I think that's kind of been a, a similar theme for Bran over the last certainly couple of years that players have come in that they're not bad players necessarily. It's just they don't fit, haven't fit the Bran system. Obviously, now they've had a change of coach and everything. And I think everyone needs to be singing from the same hymn sheet, really, Jonathan. And maybe now there's a chance to do that. It feels like people have been in the club have been operating at different angles. And ultimately, that can. That can lead to problems, can't it? Yeah, 100%. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. And, and see. I mean, if you were giving a prediction, maybe just a very early based on the business, where are you pegging brand at this moment in time? Have they got work to do? Do you see them mid-table? Do you see them top of the end of the table? Do you see them bottom end? Where are you? It's very early, but just, you know, putting your, licking your finger and putting waving it in the air. Where are you? Where What's your temperature gauge? Eighth. There you go. You can never accuse Meek Man Soccer of not getting straight to the point. So uh, eighth it is. Uh, let's move on. We have a transfer that you wanted to talk about before we move to Sweden, and that is a deal involving Lillestrøm. Yeah. Now, in the past, Lillestrøm haven't really been talked about enough on this podcast, so it's my sort of New Year's resolution to talk more about Lillestrøm. So here we go. <laughs> um, Paul Andre Helland has moved to Lillestrøm. Um, now, Lillestrøm obviously got promoted back from the Obost again. It was a shock relegation, wasn't it? But uh, this is, a, I think, an interesting signing. 
Um, apparently, he could have obtained much more riches had he moved abroad, but he's decided to go down to Oslo, uh, the Oslo region, and um, join the Canaries of, of Norway. And uh, look, I've, I've always rated Paul Andre Helland as a player. He's a fantastic player. His big problem is injuries. And I just wonder, remember, there's some pitches grass, and um, it might actually suit him. I mean, if you've got injury problems, I think artificial can be more of a problem for you than being on, on grass surfaces. So that in itself might help him out moving to, to Lillestrøm. If they manage him correctly and, and get him on, he's very good on free kick set pieces, things like that. And I think he'd be good in the dressing room if he's got the right attitude. He's got technical qualities. It's um, an interesting move that he's gone to a promoted club. Um, so I, I think it's a really exciting move for the Lillestrøm fan base. He's a big name player up there. And if they can keep him fit, it's a, it's a cracking signing for, for LSK. Yeah, fascinating stuff. And you, you know, like you said, you, you're going to talk a little bit more about uh, about them this season, which is, you know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, so, has there been any other transfers that you caught your eye at Lillestrøm? So they've got Yemen Assen as well on loan. That's from Rosenborg. So they've raided RBK, and um, you know, I think he's Assen's another player. He's got great potential in the right system. I'm going to be interested to see how these players get used. But already, Lillestrøm coming coming up and. I think they they want to make this point. We don't want to be flirting with relegation. We want to come back up and we want to be sort of back to challenging to mid-table where we should be. And I like to see that ambition. Sometimes teams going down, it can it can do them good. If you come back straight away, you learn your lessons from the mistakes. You did brand, it happened to them, and they learned the lessons of the mistakes. And I think Lillestrøm, um, you know, it looks like they might be an exciting team to talk about rather than the last sort of two or three years they were in. The elite are and one of the reasons we didn't really talk about them because that nothing was really going on there there was nothing just they were just boring and you know it's hopefully a bit more exciting now at this club and uh, i'm looking forward to to watching them yeah and um do you, you know if you, you we just you just gave your prediction for brand there uh i mean you, you may want to give your prediction for lewis from now you know based on their summer business where are you you know whistle in the wind where are you seeing them at this moment in time based on what you've seen so far say so, yeah, i think they'll be not far off Brands level, maybe ninth, tenth. You know, it could even be a dark horse for the top half if um, if they if they continue to sign well. Fair enough, and of course these predictions are liable to change. There's a long way to go yet. Yeah, we still got a good month uh, minimum before the seasons start, but uh, a nice little little prediction there. And given that we've got fantasy Premier League coming soon, I've I've seen in the last couple of days a few prices are starting to be announced and that kind of thing. The the new fantasy football season will be launched soon in the Elite Serie. Could you name a player to keep an eye on for Lillestrøm and Brand? That maybe anyone listening who, with a fantasy persuasion, might want to keep an eye on it. Or is it is it Paolo Andre Helen? Should be in, should he be in your fantasy team? I would be leaning to more towards Jermaine Assen at Lillestrøm, to be honest, because he's likely to be on the field more. Like Helen is going to be game managed. He and he's an injury risk. So I would I would never really pick Helen unless I know he was in superb form and, and guaranteed to be starting. So I'd be leaning towards Yemen Assen. I've not really looked at any of these prices yet, to be honest. So I think come back to me in a few weeks when I've had a proper look and I will have some good suggestions. But it's good to see everyone's getting really excited about it. I've seen a lot of tweets about the Elite Serian Fantasy. And uh, I think it'll be another year where we get a lot of involvement up there. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's been exciting. I, I've, I've had a good record there the last two years. So I'm hoping to stay in the top 500 again. Yeah, and um, 
last season, of course, anyone who has followed us for a while will remember Meat Man Soccer put out some brilliant YouTube analysis of the Elite Serian Fantasy. So you will want to keep an eye on that Nordic Football Podcast Twitter, uh, sorry, and, and YouTube, sorry. So uh, check Nordic Football Podcast on, on YouTube. You can go back and look at some of the breakdowns that he put together, which were quite extraordinary. And so, you know, we may well, um, we may well be bringing some of those back in the weeks to come. Uh, I think that's pretty much it for part one, and we're gonna, we're not even gonna have a break, are we? Because uh, we're gonna, we're gonna sort of, it's like a, like a tennis match. We're gonna sort of run off to the side, have a quick sort of glass of water, some squash, and, uh, and change ends. And, and you're gonna be the host, and I'm gonna do Sweden. So let's do that quickly. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't look back at the Buddha Glim video because I basically said. Um, my advice was do not get anyone Buddha Glim related in your team because they're not going to do as well. <laughs> yeah, he's always been a bit of bad, bad advice, but there was <laughs> decent advice. Actually, I didn't have a good start. That was my problem with fantasy last year. So I'm hoping <clears throat> to be a bit more out of the blocks quickly for 2021. But yes, we are indeed going to move on to Swedish football. And we've, had, we've got matches, proper competitive matches have been going on in the Swedish Cup. Where we're going to start, there was a big shock, wasn't there, Jonathan? Are you going to tell everyone about that? Yes, actual games of football played out on that actual pitches uh, are back. Uh, we don't have, we didn't have to wait till uh, so long this time. Remember last year, this time last year, we were just about to enter the pandemic, and there was a lot of, um, you know, uncertainty around. But we, we, you know, things are ticking along in in, in Sweden at the moment, and uh, yeah, we've had a nice week of Svenska Cupen, Swedish Cup. I've been, uh, I've been catching some of the games that I was able to catch, and um, of course, the first place to start is a is a huge shock, really, Malmo, who. For all their success in in recent years, it hasn't really been a cup for them in in the last sort of 20, 20 to thirty years. I haven't won the Swedish Cup since nineteen eighty nine, and um, didn't make the best of starts. They lost at home to a team in the Superettan, so the champions have got off to a really poor start there. Vasteras were the team that beat them. Vasteras are famous for being um, the team that uh, from which Victor Lindelof of Manchester United he came through their academy, I believe. So, um, yeah, really, really big shock there in Malmo's case. And there was a few other, you know, sort of uh, upsets uh, that, that kind of caught my eye. Um, I, had a, I had my one or two games, which went to form. But, um, yeah, I didn't see the Malmo game, I'll be honest. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's any time the Champions lose is a pretty big shock. Yeah, I, there's always seems to be a few shocks in this cup. And remember, it's um, only the top team from each group goes through. So, if Vastaras managed to pick up another four points, that's it, Malmo... Nothing they can do about it. But, I mean, this was a big shot. One to five favourites, Malmo, were. Vastras were a 13 to one shot with the bookmakers. So, um, yeah, that was a shot. I mean, there was a couple of other results that um, you put your Helsingborg. Yeah, I mean, I had my in the Helsingborg game. And uh, they, they drew, they were lucky, had a bit of a lucky escape at IK Gauthioid. Um, there's another lowly club, um, you know, not even in the second division, so they, they really did struggle. Helsingborg were one to ten favourites. I mean, this is Galtio were twenty to one to win. I mean, ended a draw, but I mean, geez, this is unbelievable for Helsingborg. Yeah, and they really laboured, and, and you know, one of the things with the Swedish Cup, there, there's there's not really fans, but there's a couple of it's almost played in mini stadiums where the fans are kind of just parked behind the kind of you know one of those uh, sort of corrugated iron fences that are up around around the pitch. Um, so you do have a small congregation, but nothing nothing major. Uh, but yeah, Helsingborg really, really toiled for quite a while, and eventually they were they were able to get out of it thanks to Max Fenson, who um, I'm, I'm shocked he's still in Super Eten at this moment in time. Obviously, Helsingborg got relegated. Currently in the middle of a, of a, of a rebuild phase, and, and we'll see where it goes. But 
yeah, it's uh, it, you know, they 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 really did struggle in this match, and uh, I know it's probably a bit of ring rust, you know, and, and they've lost quite a few players in in, in this window. Um, I thought Ravi Tsuka played well at the back for for Helsingborg. I think he could be one to watch, and uh, I'd be quite surprised if he maybe doesn't even get a move to our Svensk game. But it was left to Max Svensson who who scored the equaliser in the second half. It was a, it was a nice goal, you know, showed his quality really, just that little bit of extra class that that, that separated them from a humbling defeat, and. Um, I think Helsingborg are going to maybe have troubles keeping him. Anthony van den Herk as well, who, you know, I talked about last season, did a did a sort of analysis video on him. He's still at the club, uh, despite a lot of interest from from bigger teams in Osvenskan. Um, Helsingborg are kind of holding out for a fee there that, that that's that's acceptable to them. But um, he, he nearly scored the winner van den Herk with a lovely overhead kick. But in the end, it wasn't really, um, you know, wasn't really probably wouldn't have been deserved. I think a point was a point of piece was probably about a fair result. So Gautier really did well to, to hold their own. There's some, I'm just looking, there's some real brutal groups actually here. For example, Norshipig and IFK Jotterborg are in the same one, along with Sundsvall. We've got Hammerby and Aikor in the same group, which I find staggering. Um, I mean, you know, there's some brutal groups, like you say. Um, there was actually a 4-3 win there for uh, IFK Jotterborg against a team called Sand, uh, Sandvikens. So uh, they managed to squeeze through that one. Um, some of the notable results, Ustersons with a 3 0 win against Landskrona. Them and Mialbi are at the top of their group, group number five. Uh, DIF with a win, a tight one. And in the same group, Kalmar have lost. Kalmar have lost to Umea. That's um, Brian uh, Clarehart's old team, isn't it? Yeah, that's a bit of a big shock. Uh, Brian's now moved on to, to Gissonsvall, actually. He's the assistant coach there. So we wish Brian good luck this season. Um, sticking up it while well, he's gone back to the north. Um, while well, he's still in the north, of course, with the May who's there. Uh, and um, yeah, I mean, I caught the I caught um, half of the Jewel Garden game. They they looked pretty solid. I thought uh, they had one or two sort of stand up performers um, that, that looked quite good. I thought Magnus Eriksson looked okay, uh, and um, Chilofia looked sort of fairly lively in the first half. But yeah, I mean, Ike Braga probably wasn't too big a bigger competition. Obviously, Jewel Garden in that big stadium there with no fans. You know, we, we await the return of those sort of big clubs with their big fan bases. Um, but yeah, they managed to grind out a win. And, you know, the other the other game I caught a little bit of was the Ostertons game, uh, a fairly comfortable win at, at Landskrona Boys in the end. Um, and Blair Turger, who scored two. Now, he started to raise a, quite a bit of interest from uh, bigger clubs now. There's, there's rumours, whispers going around at the moment that AIK are looking at the Englishman, who, uh, of course, used to play non-league football so in England. So he um, used to play for Maidstone United. So he's, he's really... You know, Ostersons are in a bit of a crisis. We we probably talk about them in in the weeks to come. Obviously, they have the transfer embargo, and and they're still really a bit of a mess of a club all round. Um, maybe they could be considered relegation candidates this season, but uh, they managed to make relatively light work of of Landskrona uh, and Turgut. Let's see what happens because he I think he scored seven goals last season, roughly, and um, he's starting to raise a few eyebrows from from maybe bigger clubs. And uh, wouldn't surprise me if he if 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 they do target him because he is a he is a decent player. Yeah, this, um, I mean, this week's group before we move on, the format for those who don't know what it is, uh, four teams in each group and there's eight groups. Just the top team qualifies for the uh, quarterfinals. So it's a bit brutal, you know, there's no lucky losers or anything in here. We're going to talk about transfers in a minute, Jonathan, but before we do, just briefly, how important is this Swedish Cup to teams? And I mean, does some take it seriously? Is it? Does everyone take it seriously or, or what? No, you, you you sort of get a mixture, you know, and and often it really depends, Steve, on on the um, 
it really depends on the squads, I think, and how, how far they are in their recruitment. Because sometimes you get teams that are kind of haven't really even begun anything in terms of their, their, their transfers. And sometimes you get clubs who have already done their business in, in you know, December and January and they they go into it and they're really ready. You know, it's often you often used as a sort of preparation for the for the season and because and it obviously because it, it's played out half of it's played out in pre-season. You know, we, we, you play through the group stages and then the latter rounds are played when the season begins, you know, the semi-finals and the final played sort of during the season. So it's kind of almost like if you if you stumble your way through the group stage, then next thing you know, you start looking at, OK, maybe we can win this. And of course, don't forget, it, it offers a ticket to Europe. So, you know, the teams who do who do um take it seriously, you know, EF Koyotoburg won it uh, last season and they're going to be they're going to be in the Europa League. So uh, or the Conference League, as it was called now. So, you know, um. It does have a it does have a nice little you know um, what's the carrot at the end of the stick if you if you could take it seriously you know if I was a, if I was sort of in charge of a club and, and approaching it you'd, I guess the, the blueprint would be to have your business done early you know if you if you're a Calmar or or a North shopping in my opinion you know I know obviously it's difficult to dictate the window so that, you know that you're restricted you, you only have so much control over that to a certain extent but if you can get your business done you know early Jan maybe mid Jan. Get a couple of friendlies in and, and really take it seriously. You know, you're only a couple of wins away from from getting into that knockout stage, and then the next thing you know, quarters, semis, and, and final. So um, I'd always look at, if I was a team like Calmar or North Shopping, you, you know, you've got you've got a potential route to, to Europe there through the back door. So I think I would always look take it seriously if, if it was me. It's a bit like in England, isn't it? I, I can't for the life of me understand why Burnley, for example, played a, a reserve team in the FA in the FA Cup the other day. You know, it just just find it absolutely bizarre. You know, surely you'd want to focus on that and, and try and get as far as you can. But um, obviously, I'm not involved in it, so it's, you know, it's, I'm sure there's other um, circumstances behind it. But yeah, certainly, I think that um, it should be looked upon as a competition to try try and win. I think EF Core had the right approach last season, and 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 really, it's kind of saved them because you know EF Core have got a lot of financial problems, and European football could well could well give them a lot of money that they they may need in terms of prize money. So. Um, yeah, so it's a good little competition, but but it isn't really at this stage of it. It's not really taken hugely seriously. It's not huge crowds or anything. Um, I remember going out to some of the games early, and you know when I was out there, and it wasn't, you know, the attendances are quite small. It's not really hugely looked upon in terms of people wanting to go to the games earlier at this point in time. Partly because it's absolutely freezing cold, maybe. But um, yeah, you know, I think it's a, a good opportunity for any club who who just wants to keep an eye, maybe to to make it as far as they can. Yeah, I would agree totally. I'm surprised that some don't take it seriously. Although, I guess I'll, there's certain teams who are a bit behind with their uh, transfers. I mean, Calmar, they've not had the, got the Brazilian yet, have they? So uh, that's going to impact them. But the finals usually taking place around about seven or eight match days in, isn't it? Into the league, which is around about May, maybe June, something like that. Off the top of my head, anyway. But um, yeah, it is. yeah, um, yeah. We we'll move on. There's a couple of transfers that you're interested in talking about, John. Yeah, and just to confirm for you there, the um, they haven't actually announced the quarterfinal dates yet, but uh, the last the last group stages take place in, in the end of March. It's usually kind of early to mid season. You know, you get after the first one or two fixtures, maybe you get the, you get the games. So uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. And um, yeah, there's a few a few fixtures. Uh, for, sorry, a few transfers I wanted to talk about. First one is uh, Dalejo Irandus. It's been some interesting developments there, which may interest you, Steve, as a, a French football fan. Yeah, he was strongly linked to Toulouse, wasn't he? Um, but um, things went wrong. Yeah, basically, um, well, he didn't necessarily fail a medical, but he didn't pass a medical, from what I understand. 
the two clubs agreed a fee. There was a lot of negotiations between it because Bickle Hacken are clearly trying to get as much money as they can for, for what is a star player horrendous for many years. Talked about him a lot. He made our team of the season. Uh, I again, Nordic pod team of the season combined uh, with Elite Serian. And, well, he made my team of the season anyway. And, uh, you know, Toulouse eventually agreed a fee. There was a lot of other clubs interested. I think Willem Tzvai in uh, Willem Tzvi, or however you pronounce it, in, in, in the Eredivisie as well. And one or two other clubs, I think Groningen had a look. But um, Toulouse, Toulouse managed to get the, the fee agreed. He went out there. He, he travelled to France. He had a look around did his medical, and they found an injury problem and it requires an operation. Now, rather than complete the transfer, which, from what I understand, Toulouse were like, well, we'll sign you anyway. But from what I can understand, Dali Horinda said, no, I'm all right, and I'm going to go back to go back to Sweden. So um, he went back to Sweden, and he's now, I think the deal's off pretty much because he's agreed to have an operation. Uh, and he's going to be out for about the first six weeks or so of the season from from the early reports. So he's gone from pretty much guaranteed move to Toulouse to... to um, you know, going to miss the first sort of six weeks of Osvenskan. So not entirely sure the mechanics of what happened there. You know, if he, if he just didn't fancy it or maybe maybe took a little bit of offence to, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the thought that he'd failed the medical um, or maybe just, you know, didn't really like what he saw at Toulouse. But, yeah, it's, um, he's, back in, he's back in Gothenburg now and I believe he'll be out for some time. So, uh, you know, watch this space, I guess, and see how, fit, how quickly he can get fit and if he, if he manages to get another move or if Toulouse even maybe decide to, to revisit that situation. This is starting to become the, the Toulouse football podcast, isn't it? We're uh, we've been talking more about them than some of the clubs in in Scandinavia recently. They seem to be raiding. I mean, they've been raiding Sweden, haven't they? They got Pettersson from Norrköping. They went in for a random there. Clearly, they've got someone operating up there in Sweden, um, and, and they're looking for cheap bargains uh, who can who they can develop. And I can tell you now, Toulouse are a club under big pressure to gain an immediate return back up to Liga in France and they had a very bad start to the year then they had an unbelievable unbeaten run and then they started to bottle it, bottle it again recently and uh, with 12 games to go they're, um, they're in the mix at a go up and uh, I say a club that's under a lot of pressure to um, to bounce back straight away So, but it's interesting to me that certain teams are starting to really target Scandinavia for these talented players at a cheap price yeah, well, it's not me who's sending the reports to them, so you know that that's for sure. But I, I don't, I've been looking through our followers list to see if there's anyone from Toulouse following us, because I know for a fact we've got a lot of followers within the game, and uh, I've seen teams sign players, uh, and and many of them sometimes you find out that they've been following us, so maybe to get a second opinion. So if you're listening, say hello. You know what I mean? You can always free to DM us and uh, you know ask for our opinion, or even if you want to sort of look, talk to us about hiring us. So you know, sh- shameless plug there, but of course, yeah. Um, Toulouse are not the only team looking at looking at Sweden. Um, Groningen have, have, have signed a couple of players from there. And, of course, there's a market that's becoming more and more attractive. I don't know if you'll have seen it, Steve, but Alexander Isak uh, scored a hat-trick for Real Sociedad at the weekend. He didn't really play well against Manchester United, uh, the Swedish youngster. But, um, you know, he came from Oikor, went to Dortmund, and that's obviously going to increase the visibility of the league. People looking for bargains like him. You know, you've got Jesper Carlsen, who's gone to AZ Alkmaar and is, is flying uh, from Elsborg. He's done really well out there so far. And then obviously you've got the likes of Erling Braut Harland in your region, isn't it? Who who's gone on? So, you know, no, people are waking up to the talent that's here. You know, that's part of the reason we started this podcast, isn't it? Because we 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 realise that it's an exciting league and that there's a you know nice 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 level of football to be watched and to be seen. And I think there's a few other transfers that we're going to come on to now because at the moment there's a, definitely a trend of, um, of 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 players sort of moving on quite early. But then uh, there is the talent there to to sort of replace them at these clubs. 
Now, Icor have signed, uh, have had a, an addition this week, haven't they? Who's that? Yeah, and this is a this is this this sort of um, follows on from my point, really. Uh, what I was saying, they, I don't know if anyone who listened to the podcast last week may, may have heard me mention this, but there is a growing trend at the moment that I've, I identified in the early transfers, and that is players, sorry, clubs, um, clubs from Osvenskan dipping into the lower leagues. Um, now it's always been the case, but I, I think this season more than ever it seems to be becoming a real, um, you know, noticeable sort of trend. Uh, and again, it happened this week. You know, today the announcement that um, Oye Korov completed the signing of a, an exciting youngster called Lucas Forsberg. Now he's a 17-year-old right back. Uh, he was previously a Solentuna, so again in the third tier. Um, there's an interesting backstory there because Solentuna tweeted, I think it was about two or three years ago from their account, or a year or so ago, saying, "Any European club who wants to sign Lucas Forsberg, DM us." So um, openly touting out their players, uh, you know, they obviously said that he's a big talent of theirs and, you know, they obviously thought he was going to go on to big things and uh, he has gone on to big things because he's moved to Oyekora, you know, a huge club in that country. And uh, the deal, I don't know the exact financials behind the deal, but um, he's a 17-year-old right back, uh, you know, born in 2003, which, you know, how do you, how do you feel, Steve? Uh, born, uh, you know, I can remember Man United winning the 2002-03 title, so... Yeah, yeah, he's, he was he was even born, I think, by the time that celebration took place. My GCSEs in two thousand three. <laughs> there you go, there you go. So, um, but he's, a, he's, a, he's a, he looks good from the clips I've seen. Uh, you know, I watch a bit of thirty football when I can, but not a huge amount. But um, you know, from the video that I've seen, thanks to Wire Scout, you know, our partners, um, he's a right back who can cross the ball well. I like it. I like his ability on the ball. He can cross it. Uh, he's got a decent shot on him as well. He's got one or two goals for Solentuna that that were really high quality. Um, obviously a modern right back gets up and down the pitch he can also play on the other side played a couple of games on the left hand side uh, and although you know he's, although he's only sort of just played a handful of games in his career um, Oyekor have clearly seen enough to to um, to bring him in he played 20 games I think last season for, for Solentuna and, and that's obviously enough to attract Oyekor so yeah I mean this 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 like I say there's a wider trend here there's been a lot of uh, clubs picking up uh, third tier players. I, I mentioned Ekin Bullet. He'll be one to watch for, in Sirius uh, this season. He was at uh, I can't remember exactly the name of the club he was at, so that that escapes me at this moment in time. But he he came from the third tier. Um, Forsberg as well, obviously has some from Solentuna. And I just just mentioned to you there in that part one in Norway, a brand signing Munga, Munga Simba. Now this is a player I really really liked actually. I, I, I had my eye on him as a player that I think he could he could go on. Um, so I'm not surprised that he's headed off to um, to Brand. You know, I, I think his, statistically he was one of the best players um, in the third tier last season. He really pacey, um, exciting looking wide player, uh, really good dribbler. So I, I'm not surprised to see him. You know, it was only by chance that I just checked Brand's transfers there, but uh, I'm not surprised to see him. You know, get a move to a fairly big club. So I think he'll be one to keep an eye on. Um, in, in in Norway, you know, he's only born in 2000, so he's you know 20, 20 going on 21. But um, yeah, th- this trend is 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 an emerging one. There's a lot of talent in those lower leagues, and I think the motivations are partly financial, as I said. I think partly because they don't have the money to maybe buy these big name players. You know, the, the 28, 29 year olds who usually return to Scandinavia maybe after their careers uh, abroad. You know, maybe the money's not there to pay those fees for those kind of players. So they're looking to to, to the younger talents that they can sort of develop and. And sell on, and um, yeah, Lucas Forsberg's just another one, and there's a lot of excitement about him at uh, Oyekor fans that seem to be quite happy with that signing. So we'll keep an eye out for him. And obviously with Oyekor, just for a wrap up, but uh, 
they they've got a pretty you know growing um pool of of, of young talents haven't they or you call you know they've got the likes of tom stranagard as well um obviously they lost powell's abraham but they've still got eric carl robin Teehee, who we talked about last year on why scout bila hussein um so it's a, it's a it's a quite a young team there that Bartos Grislak has got or you call and it continues to to get younger and younger Tom Stranagard as well possibly the youngest looking uh 18 year old I think I've ever seen uh, he looks like something out of a Disney cartoon character you know like a really really boyish face but uh yeah there's there's a quite a few young talents there or you call it emerging and I'm sure we'll talk about them in the in the months to come it sounds encouraging for them I, I used to avoid watching their matches because you just knew what was going to happen nil nil or a one nil it was never going to be particularly exciting but now maybe some young talent new direction um you know all the stockholm clubs look quite interesting at the moment i must say um so uh yeah from we're actually going to talk about a player who's played for icor before now uh simon turn has moved to afk jotteborg from uh, norshipping this is actually a player who um he's got four swedish caps in his, in his career so interesting signing uh it, it looks a good one on the face of things to me yeah, and there's a you know he's a bit of a veteran, um, you know one of those players who's who's uh, got a, a big a big reputation, you know, and he's played for. Well, I think I think there's a statistic. I don't know if this is accurate, but he I think there's a rumor that he, or maybe I'm not sure if anyone will correct me, but I think he's played for four of the biggest teams in in the country, which is I don't think many players have ever done that. He's played for Malmo, played for Oyiko, played for Noor Shopping, and now he will have played for. Um, where he's joined AFK Jotteborg and also he's played for Helsingborg in the past and I don't know if many players have ever played for all four of those teams you know in, this, in their career so you know this is a player who's he did move to Heronveen for a while you know he did move out of, out of, out of the league but came back um, did okay last season you know t- 20, 24 appearances uh, two goals it was, probably wasn't his best year if we're being honest he's had better seasons scoring wise certainly but uh, you know kind of what you're going to get from Tony. You know, he's a decent sort of mid- midfield player. Um, you know, hard worker. Gives it his all. Quality-wise, you know, one of the better def- one of the better midfielders in, in that, at that level. Uh, so I think, uh, yeah, from a of course point of view, they want someone like him to come in and, and, and shore up that midfield because the, their midfield at times was very porous last season. It was very kind of easy to play through. I, I often found with Oi with the F core, they were just bit, one ball could take them out really at times. And I, I think they need a bit more, you know, uh, midfield solidity. Obviously we know what's happened at North shopping that they're, they're in a bit of a crisis. It's another player to leave. Uh, but um, I think there's a bit of excitement there at EF core about this signing. So, you know, good luck to turn and, and you'll see how it goes. Now the next point of order we've got, um, I'm not actually sure exactly what this is. I think you might fill me in. It's, Simply listed down on our itinerary as who to support. Is this you going to give some suggestions to listeners about who they should be, uh, what clubs they should maybe go in for in Sweden? Yeah, well, you know, you like to sometimes throw me a bit of a curveball uh, on these podcasts, Steve. So I thought, you know, why not throw you a bit of a curveball for once? Uh, but you're bang on. You know, you're, you're a smart guy, and you've you've uh, you've read that one correctly. Um, we had a question, a listener question. I'm going to try and find it now. Uh, we're not doing listener questions this week, but I just thought there was one that randomly popped up in my inbox um, this morning or yesterday, was it? And I thought I'd give it a bit of a, a bit of airtime. It was from a, play, a guy called Danny O'Brien. Um, thank you very much, Danny. And he he just tweeted us randomly yesterday, and he said another podcast to add to the list. It's great fun to hear more about leagues that don't get much exposure. 
which club would you recommend for a newbie to Swedish football to follow at JF Football? So I think Danny's maybe listened to our first episode last week and he's popped in with a question. Now, I asked him who he supports and I was very happy to hear him say Manchester United. Uh, he said United, but then everyone knows who United are, so that he did follow up with a Manchester United, but uh, I know who United are. So uh, although you might not like that Leeds being a Leeds United fan, uh, Steve. I'm not actually, <laughs> I'll tell you who don't like that is Newcastle fans. They hate that. Yeah, they do. They do in Sheffield United as well. I think they don't like it. Um, but I thought I'd just touch on it very quickly to see who, who we should get him to support. Because if we can get some more interest in the league, then it's always a, a positive thing, isn't it? So I had a little think, Danny O'Brien. And so if you're listening to this, um, and I thought about Man United and who, who what team is kind of similar to United. Predict who I think you'll suggest. Yeah, predict. You can predict. This is this is a this is gonna be an Al Svenskin team, right? Yeah, he wants to know who to follow this season in North Svenskan. I uh, bet you choose Hammerby for him. Who do you think is the Manchester United of of uh, Oh, the Manchester United of um, of Sweden. Well, no, you can you can predict who you think I'll say he should support, but you can also predict. Uh, I, I predict that you're going to say Hammerby. Hammerby, you know. Well, I'd like to say you're right, but unfortunately, you're wrong. You're wrong. Healthsport, then. <laughs> <They're> definitely not elsewhere. <laughs> I think you know the Manchester United of of, of Sweden. Uh, I'd be I'd be interested to open this up to listeners. So please tweet us at Nordic Footpod and let us know who you think. Um, and also, of course, we still got our Patreon to promote at some point in the show. patreoncom slash Podcast, I think it is. Um, but yeah, Danny, I think I'm going to recommend that you you know okay, you want to support Manchester United. You know, you want a team that wins, right? You want a team with a proud history. Um, maybe fallen on sort of hard times of late. But traditionally, uh, you know, a giant of the game, obviously the most successful domestic team uh, in terms of league titles. So I had a little think about this, you know, and, um, you know, they've had one or two good managers in the past and one or two or maybe bad managers. And I've come up with probably the team, you know, that you should support. And I think you've got two choices here, really. And it's either going to be Malmo, I'm going to say, or it's going to be EF Koyotoborg. Those are the two teams I'm going to... I'm going to say that you should consider uh, supporting. Now, some people might ask me why. Why am I saying that? Well, you know, Swedish titles all time. Uh, you've got Malmo 21. Um, so, you know, they are the most successful. So if you're looking literally just at success, then it would be Malmo. Um, Manchester United with 20 league titles in England. Uh, but then you've got EFK Jotoburg as well with 18. And, and, and obviously, EFK Jotoburg have got that European success as well, don't forget. You know, they've won European honours. So um, although Malmo are the only club from the Nordic region to reach the final of the European Cup, uh, which is known as the Champions League now, of course, Uh, Malmo in 1979 made it all the way, lost to Brian Kloss Nottingham Forest. Um, So they do have that honour of being the only team to make it to that final of that competition in particular. But it is EF Core who have success on the uh, Swedish stage in terms of um, UA for European competitions, uh, and the they of course won the um, UEFA Cup. So you know, you know they're a big club and they've fallen in, in coincidentally they've also fallen on hard times in the last sort of ten or so years. Things haven't gone quite as well as them for them. As, uh, you know, last league title was two thousand and seven, and last Manchester United league title two thousand and thirteen. So you know maybe if you were thinking about a team, it, it could be them. Uh, so yeah, take your pick, flip a coin, guys. I'd like to hear your thoughts as well. Any listeners who want to predict uh, who is the Manchester United of, of Sweden, who should 
who's, who's the Liverpool of Sweden, maybe, you know, who's the who's the Everton of Sweden? Uh, it was quite an interesting debate, I think. Um, but yeah, EFC have won the UEFA Cup twice in uh, 1982 and 1987, so they've got a proud European history, um, similar to Manchester United, of course, have won the, the, uh, the Champions League three times in their history. So there you go, Danny. There's my little summary for you, and uh, I'd love to hear what listeners think as well. Um, and please don't be offended if you don't like Manchester United or if you don't like Malmo or if you don't like AFK, then let us know why and who you think should be supported. Uh, I would say for my, my suggestion for Norway would be a toss-up between Rosenborg or Molde. Maybe Molde because of the links with Solskjaer, perhaps. But if you, in terms of success, it's obviously Rosenborg with uh, 26 titles down the years. So uh, the next nearest is actually Frederikstad with nine and Frederikstad in the third tier of um Norwegian football second tier now sorry they got promoted Frederick start back in the Oboss so um yeah that's my that would be my two suggestions there interest EF core uh Yotheborg, really interesting club I, they, they do intrigue me that that, that side it's just such a fallen giant aren't they you feel like they should be up there challenging for titles but uh interesting stuff John and um I think that's pretty much it for this episode, isn't it? Oh, there's one little extra thing that I need to talk about, actually. Well, just quickly as well, I mean, before you wrap up there, I mean, I, I personally wouldn't have Mulder as the Manchester United of Norway, in my opinion. I think they don't have that history, do they? As far as I'm aware. The only reason I was suggesting it, uh, I wasn't suggesting them as the Manchester United of Norway, but for someone a Man United fan, might want to support Mulder because of the yeah, yeah. that's all. No, I think then we yeah, well, no, I'm not sure about that, but yeah, no, I can see your rationale. But and also, just quickly before I wrap up, because it might might interest any any listeners as well to this, uh, I had a little look at the all time league tables, uh, for Allsvenskan just to sort of um give a bit more context to the to the argument. Uh, and I'm just going to name you the top five most successful teams. This is just in terms of points accumulated in the history of, of Swedish football, and so in fifth place. We have a team that I know you you're gonna like, Steve. Uh, I know you're gonna like pointing the finger here. Can you can you guess who's in fifth place all time table? Fifth time all time. Seventy seven seasons in Allsvenskan. I'm a bit in the top division. Nope, it is Elfsborg. Really? Fifth in the all time table. Good lord. Two thousand seven hundred and fifty four points. Uh, fourth in the all time table with eighty seasons in the top division. Uh, is do you want to have a little guess? I'll go with. Ooh, I call that wrong again. Uh, it is no shopping. Would never have guessed then. <laughs> yeah, no shopping with uh, <laughs> three thousand and eleven points. Hammerby, by the way, are not are, uh, Hammerby are twelfth below below Geis. Uh Third place with ninety two seasons in the top division. That's got to be I call your gun, surely. Yep, that's all you call. With 3,458 points, 3,458. Second place with 88 seasons in the top division and a thousand wins exactly. IFK? Bang on. A thousand wins, 512 draws, 609 defeats, uh, 3,512 points. But in the lead, uh, as you're probably going to be able to guess, with 85 seasons, so not as many as EF Core, but the most points. Um, can you name it, Steve? I'll let you name it. No, that'd be Malmo, won't it? Malmo FF, and that is why I have them as the the, the Manchester United of, of Sweden with 3,637 points and the current reigning champions. So there you go. There's our history lesson for today. 
Uh, and I'll just read you the top 10, just that uh, anyone who might be interested in this little history lesson. Hammerby, not even in the top 10, you might like to know. Uh, Beckel Hacken, 17th. So they're making their way up the table, but they're nowhere near it. Um, but yeah, I'll read you the, you know, you've got Ostersons in 33rd. So they're way down there. Mialby, 28th. Uh, you know, so we're just looking at the Kalmar, 13th. But the top 10, you've got Urebro in the all time points lists. Hamstad, who have just been newly promoted this season. So they'll be interesting to watch this year, you know, a bit of a traditional, um, you know, regular team in, in that level. Even though they've only had 54 seasons at the top division, they've always accumulated quite a lot, lot of points. Uh, then you've got Orgrit in eighth, always in the second tier. Jurgaard uh, in seventh, Helsingborg in sixth. So half of those teams aren't even in the league this season. Mm. So interesting little history lesson for everyone. Yeah, it is. And just before we finish the episode, I want to talk about the Samoan Cup in finland uh, i only feel like uh, i want to talk more about the finnish league this year i really do it's another one of my sort of new year's resolutions actually swoban cup has uh, is is pretty much the group stage is nearly done and there's uh, the six groups in what they do the they split um three of the groups contain vikas liga teams and three of them contain teams from the second tier so you're always going to get a mixture of uh, top and uh, second division sides in the, in the knockout rounds and uh, at the moment it looks like hifk have qualified along with uh it's gonna be lati or hjk helsinki from group a into turkey 100 record they are going to be through to the next round honka as well they are in and then you've got teams like cups and sjk uh, sjk now managed by ex-Tromso boss, Simo Valakari, he's made it through the knockout rounds. And then you've got teams uh, from the second tier. I'm not really going to talk about them, but uh, I have occasionally watched some of these matches from the Suwoman Cup. They're played indoor and there's some very interesting arenas. Very weird watching these matches. Um, but, uh, you know, it's good to see that they're, they're at the, the Vikas Liga doesn't start until the 10th of April which actually isn't too much longer after Sweden and Norway this season. But uh, I'm determined to keep my eye on this league a bit more in 2021. And as they especially uh, keep my eye on SJK because um, Valakari to coach has always interests me. Yeah, we did We did have an interview with a, a manager who was out there at the time, didn't we, uh, Tor Todderson? He's no longer at HIFK, I believe, but he, he joined us to talk about it. I think it was two years ago now. Um Listen, I'm going to be totally honest with you. Those games in those indoor arenas, they remind me of PE PE matches, and you know they make me they make me shiver uh, just looking at them. To be honest, I mean, it's not really there's not there's no spectators in this cup, is there? So, you know, you, you asked me about the relevance of the Swedish cup. Well, what's the importance of the Finnish cup? Is it is it taken seriously? Is there a backdoor to Europe? Is it you know is it a big competition or is it a glorified sort of um, indoor kickabout after a PE match? I've actually done Simo Valakari a disservice. He's actually at Cups now. SJK was his former club, and Cups are a hundred percent record. So, great start for Simo Valakari. It's actually they're actually in the same group as his old club there. But um, I mean, yeah, as far as I'm aware, this cup is taken relatively seriously. So, um, you know, again, it's a it's a way to silverware, isn't it? And uh, you know, I think there's some there's some half decent teams in in Finland and. Uh, it's, it's a league which I know quite a lot of people are interested in. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm determined to keep my eye on it, like I say. And, um, 
you know, this cup is, is nearing the end of its group stage now. There's just a couple of matches left to be played. HJK Helsinki, um, if, if they're not careful, I mean, they, they've got, they should win their final match against a side that's got no points, but there's a danger they could still get knocked out if they lost. Um, but that would be quite a shock. But it looks like all the most of the big boys are going to be in the next round. Yeah, and HJK won the league last season. Uh, and the current champions, they are the current champions of the Finnish Cup, aren't they? They beat Inter Turku in the final. So, um, yeah, and I think, is there a place in Europe? I think there is. The winner will qualify yeah. for the Conference League. Yeah. So we're going to have to do a, a sort of mini breakdown on the Conference League, aren't we, at some point, Steve? Because uh, it's definitely relevant for our, our league here. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we'll see We'll see how that pans out. I mean, I can't claim to know anything about Finnish football, I'll be honest. But, you know, you have been raising the Super Women Cup to me, so maybe I'm going to have to tune in for some of these these games. Do you have a, yeah. do you have a, do you have a team you follow? I do like IFK Mauriham. I think I mentioned this on the last episode. They're an island team from uh, on the southwest coast of Finland there. They've always intrigued me. Um, and of the bigger boys, it used to be a club, I don't think they're actually in the top flight anymore, called Rops, Rovaniemi. I don't think they're even in the top flight anymore. But uh, yeah, IFK Mariham, they're going to be in the team I prefer in the in the Bicast Liga anyway. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, so there's some interesting names, you know, Honka, Cups, New Zealand Dance, isn't it? That's a team called Jippo. <laughs> Back in the day, when I was a kid, it was a sort of phrase for a bit of a bum, wasn't it? Um, well, yes. Uh, in 2001, Jippo. So there's some very interesting names up there. They, they like to keep it short and sweet, don't they? They don't complicate things. Yeah, it's not like what's it still about? They're in the uh, they're in the cup, but uh, yeah, no, fair enough. It looks like a, there's not been many games played, is it? Yeah, they only play each other once, but yeah, I say watch this space. Uh, I will be talking a bit more about fin- Finnish football in, on the Nordic Football Podcast this season. Maybe even get a guest or two in from over there just to keep things uh, interesting. Yeah, well, we have been discussing potential guests and we do have some special guests for you in the coming weeks. Uh, I've told Steve to go and dig through his uh, book of contacts, which I don't think he's done yet, to be honest. Otherwise, uh, we may have had a guest on this week. <laughs> yes, I'll be digging into them and hopefully get some good uh, good guests on for this uh, for this season. But yeah, no, we've um, we've got a few we've got a few targets, let's put it that way, that we've identified that we'd like to maybe have a word with before the season begins. Um, across Norway and Sweden so hopefully we'll be able to to bring you some uh, interesting guests as, as we always do on the Nordic Football Podcast and of course you can always dip into our archives you know subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify and uh, where, wherever you get your podcasts and in the, in the archives if you just scroll through you'll see a whole plethora of big names in, in the league um, including of course form, former Barrow FC manager Michael Jolly who, who was just recently at uh, Barrow in League Two uh, Ian Birchnell, of course, as well, and, and Seema Valakari, you just mentioned there, he's been on the show, um, Sean Constable, Axel Kjell, um, there's so many, we could we could be here for quite a long time. I'm sure I saw Michael Jolly got sacked um, by Barrow recently. He did indeed, the former former AFC Eskilstuna manager, uh, and of course, um, as we mentioned, Asman Bjorkan, who is the sporting director at Buda Glimpse, we've had, you know, we've had a good little track record in the past, there's so many names, I can't even think of them all, but... Uh, you know, the plan for this season is we, we've got a few names uh, on, a, on a list that we'd like to keep an eye on for this season. There's a few interesting managers in, in the leagues at this moment in time. Uh, and so certainly, you know, hit the subscribe button. Like I say, follow us on Twitter at NordicFootPod. 
Uh, we will have some, even maybe some players as well on the show in the coming uh, season. So I think that's all we've got time for in this episode. Finish Cup. If anyone knows anything about the Finish Cup, uh, please tweet us at Nordic Football. You can tweet Steve at Meatman Soccer. Uh, he's the man for, for you know the Soiman Cup at least. Uh, also, he claims you know I haven't. I, I want I want him to maybe log in when he next time is watching these matches if he really is doing it or if he's just saying it for clout. But uh, uh, and you can obviously follow me as well on Twitter at JF Football. If you T B O L, I'll probably be more watching more of the Svenska Cup in, in the coming weeks and uh, keeping an eye on the third division of Sweden as well for whoever the big clubs are going to sign next. But um, it's been a good show, Steve. I hope you've enjoyed it as well. And uh, you know, maybe see you in another week. Yeah, very much enjoyed it. And we'll be back again soon, I think, Jonathan. So, uh, yeah, from this particular edition, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me, uh, Jonathan Faduba. Enjoy your week, guys. And we will be back to review the Molder hoffenheim game and see if Molder can make it to the last 16 of the Europa League. That would be some achievement, wouldn't it? So for now, goodbye from us. <laughs>